0: She is a wife and mother of four and a co-owner of Navigating Education. She earned her doctorate in education and finds joy and deep satisfaction in supporting children and their families in identifying learning challenges and limitations and providing insights that will have the greatest impact on a child's success. We're so happy to have you with us today. Thank you for joining us, Melissa. Thanks, Michelle. I'm really excited to be here. Well, Melissa, let's just jump right in. Let's talk about what you do. Awesome. Um, the,
1: my personal um, mission and vision and part of Navigating Education is we really want to empower families and students um, with knowledge so that they can choose the trajectory of their life. So we give them knowledge and, uh, with through testing, through um, empowerment, through Uh, conversations, consultation, and we test them and figure out their learning profile and their learning style. And once we do that, then we can really figure out how they learn best. So therefore we can help them in school, be able to um, activate those, those strengths that they have in order to help them with things that might be more difficult. And honestly, it came from, so all of that came from A personal experience that I had Mm -hmm. with my own family Mm -hmm. um, and what brought me to this place of doing navigating education with my um, business partner, Dara, was I was an educator for 17 years and loved it. I loved my I did. I personally worked in public education. My business partner worked in um, charter schools and in public education. But I, I taught for 17 years, and I loved it there. I, I found amazing people that I worked with and families that I worked with. And what I found over the years was that I wanted to make a bigger difference at an earlier age for kids than I was able to sometimes in the classroom. I would mm-hmm. see kiddos in front of me that um, needed some help and I would provide as much help as I could as a as an educator. And so I, I sought out more education. Mm-hmm. When my own children, so I'm a mom of four, and when my, I have twin daughters, Kimberly and Abigail, mm-hmm. and when they were in kindergarten, um, you know, Abigail really struggled. Well, she did fine for a while to a certain point, and then she plateaued and we couldn't figure out what was going on. And, you know, me being an educator, I was like, oh, I've got this. And I went and checked with um, other educators. I checked with administration. I checked with other friends that were educators and I got every answer under the sun, have her tested, don't have her tested, wait and see. I call it now the wait and see technique which by the way, doesn't work. (laughs) Um, So they they said, you know, wait and see, just wait until she's in third grade at this time. She was ending or in the middle of kindergarten. And I was like, I I can't wait for her to fail um, when we know something might be going on right now. Mm. And so we, my husband and I um, decided to have her tested and we had her tested and she did have mild to moderate dyslexia. And so I'm like, okay, we have the answers now. I'm just going to take it to the school and we're going to be good to go. Mm-hmm. And our experience was unfortunately really long and really hard. And my husband and I thought, okay, you're an, I'm an educator. My husband's a counselor. Mm-hmm. So if anyone should be able to get through this, it would, would have been us. And it was just an overwhelming and tedious process And after many, many meetings and a lot of education for me to give them about what dyslexia was Mm -hmm. um, and what services she really did need or accommodations, we finally got it in place. And I sat in the car after that last meeting and I broke down and was in tears because it was so hard. And it was in that moment, you know how you have those life-changing moments and you can kind of look back? Yes, yes. Well, when I was sitting in the car, I, I told my husband, I said, this has got to change. And we, out of everyone should have been, this should have been fine for, what about families that don't know the education system? What about families that might live in a different zip code Mm -hmm. that don't have as much access to it? What about, you know, all of these things. And I just, I I knew in that moment that I needed to change something. So I went back to school for my doctorate um, so that I could do testing and help families that needed it just like my family did at the time. So that's kind of what brought me to why I do what I do now.
0: First of all, I love that you were willing to share that story. And I also love that you gained such a passion for helping other parents. I know that I came to you with one of my children and I walked out after all of the testing and after you um, provided feedback from the testing, it wasn't just information, you were giving me um, a path that I could take for my child, and I just think that this is critical for parents. Yeah, regardless of if, so if
1: a student has, um, now, I'm going to, I'm going to say it here because that way I can, um, give the, what we call it. So a learning disability, yes, they're identified as learning disabilities, Mm -hmm. but we call them differences. Mm -hmm. So even if a child has a learning disability or a difference, um, it's whether or not they have that, we can give a path of strengths that a student has Mm -hmm. and, or, areas that, you know, growth areas, and how school can be, because we have this idea sometimes um, that a student coming into a school system should fit the school system, that they need to adapt, they need to advocate, they need to change themselves. What I want to do is, is make it so that we know this individual student, and therefore the accommodations, the, the changes, the lens can change to fit the child. My philosophy is that we should be adapting ourselves as teachers, as administrators to the children in our classroom, Mm -hmm. not the other way around. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanted to um, change. And that's one of the reasons that I stepped out of the system is so that I could educate people around this idea that Let's change ourselves, our our systems to fit the children that are in front of us, because the children that are in front of us are not the same children that were 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to go to my dentist if they're using practices from 50 years ago compared to, you know, the the newer practices today. Same thing in education. You know, we have lots of places to learn
0: and to grow in education. That's a really good point and a really good example, too. So Why are, I'm going to ask you a question and I feel like I know the answer, but I'd like our listeners to hear this. (laughs) (laughs) So Melissa, if a school provides resources for children with special needs, then why is there a place for someone like you? Absolutely. And
1: honestly, Michelle, mm-hmm. I had the same question when we were <laughs> coming up with our um, business model because I was mm-hmm. like, you know, wh- why would someone come to me versus mm-hmm. or to our company versus getting um the testing done at school? So mm-hmm. here's here's what I'm gonna say that I say in every single console, we do free consults. And when a family comes and they're like, well, can we, you know could this be done in the school system? Absolutely. And people are always surprised when I say that they're like, well, don't you have a business that like tests? And so how are you going to make money? And I always come back with, you know, here's the thing I am in, business because i want to give as much information to families as possible yes Mm -hmm. of course we have a bottom line that we want to be able to do but if there's something that can be done in the school system i'm going to give you that information and so yes testing can be done at the school system i'm going to tell you why being in the system and now out of the system the difference the difference is There's so many kids that need to get tested. And the funding only allows for a certain number of people to be in a building. Sometimes you're sharing, um, let's say, a psychologist across a couple of buildings. So the number of cognitive tests that can be done is very limited. Do all children, you know, when we're looking at if a child qualifies for Um, or not qualifies. If a child needs certain testing, if there's not a cognitive concern, we can rule out doing a cognitive. At our office, Mm -hmm. we will provide a cognitive because Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a very important part of understanding um, a student's thinking. Cognitive would be how they bring it in and how they form their knowledge. Academic testing is going to be now how does that impact what is their output in school so Mm -hmm. why me over you know a school system I would say always start with the school system work with Mm -hmm. them to see what testing can be done sometimes our kids that are not significant enough so when we say significant enough that's like 12th percentile and below those are going to be the ones that are usually caught in the school system because they're so far behind Mm -hmm. that they come up on the radar of our educators right and they're going to do everything that they can to get them tested and get them the services that they need i do truly believe that that teachers and administrators go into education to help students that they want the best for them and so we're going to get the services that they need a lot of the clients that i work with are the kids in the gray space So kids that aren't necessarily gonna come up on a teacher's radar, because number one, they're twice exceptional, and we'll go into a little bit about what that is. It's just basically that um, you have a disability or a learning difference, and you might be gifted, but you mask, and so, So they're masking it so the teacher doesn't realize either that they're gifted or that they have a disability. So I Mm -hmm. work with a lot of families with that. And then I also work with families that um, have mild to moderate dyslexia, for instance, that the child is covering because they might have a very high verbal ability. And so talking with them, you would have no idea that they struggle. and But then when you read with them, they... (laughs) interestingly enough, dyslexics have a tendency to, uh, make up part of the story. And it's real, it makes sense. But if you look at the words that they're reading on the page, you're like, how, wait, what? Cause what they read, if you only listen to them, it totally makes sense. But on sure. the page, it's not the words that are on the page sometimes. And it's amazing that the brain is like working three times, you know, over what a typical brain would be doing. And so, um, You know, going back to your question of why me, it's a lot of the kids that aren't being caught in the school system. So Mm -hmm. if they're like between the 12th percentile and like the 25th, 30th percentile, I work with a lot of families within that area and that realm because they're not being caught in the school system, not at a fault of the teachers. Not of you know that they're trying as much as they can, we're putting some interventions in place, but it's just not quite working for them. So then the Mm -hmm. parents are like, But my child is still not, I know that they can do more, but is this a learning disability or is this more of um, them just needing to work harder, that type of thing?
0: So I work with a lot of families in that area. Mm -hmm. Well, just piggybacking off of that, that is why. I took my child to you because um, my child is considered twice exceptional. Yep. And and the school system, I'm not sure that they saw that because, because my son's grades are good enough. Um, he doesn't really qualify, like you were saying earlier, for that testing that the school um, has funding for. And so Absolutely. it was it was something that I had to reach outside the school system for in order to actually get him the services that he may need. And by services, it can be that he needs advanced classes and courses in some areas, and then he needs a little deeper understanding from those teachers in those advanced areas. I was just going to say, you know, access, twice exceptionality, and, and
1: um, accommodations are all about that access to the education. And so mm-hmm. he, he may need those advanced classes with some access, and that's okay. That doesn't mean that he shouldn't be allowed into those classes. Mm-hmm. It means that perhaps. We need to think differently of how, he, you know, um, perhaps instead of writing all of his answers for certain ones, mm-hmm. unless it's a writing assignment. If it's about science, then he could verbally give his answers, mm-hmm. and that he's showing, he's demonstrating his knowledge about science, about math, or whatever mm-hmm. um, the the subject might be, just in a different way than other kids might. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. That we don't have to demonstrate our knowledge everybody in exactly the same way as long as we demonstrate the knowledge um you know but thinking about it in a different way and i thought that that was very universal and what i learned over the years is that that it really wasn't and that surprised me a lot mm-hmm. to be open to demonstrating knowledge in different ways
0: i love that and i think it leads right into the next question that i had for you which is how do you help children succeed educationally
1: yeah so um we've the first thing that we do is we will figure out their learning profile is what we call it so how they take in knowledge and store it so that's mm-hmm. going to be cognitive
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then the academic piece of then how does that then tr- translate into school mm-hmm. so for example if a child I'm going to use my daughter's um, profile sure. uh, just for talking points. So my daughter um, is very verbal. She's in the 90th percentile and above in verbal abilities. However, when um, when in school, she and and she has high um, fluid reasoning, which means that she can problem solve really well. Mm-hmm. What her catch is, is when it comes out in reading, when she's actually trying to read, um, she's like 20th, 25th percentile um, at the time of testing. So, you know, years back, she was like 20th, 25th percentile in that area. And it's not significant enough that it would have been caught, mm-hmm. but um, she, was, she was struggling. And I knew that if, she, if we didn't get something in place, she was going to struggle with it. So what we do is we figure out, okay, the profile is she's very verbal. Mm -hmm. She's um, advanced verbally. So in her case, what we would do for um, educate, like how to help them um, academically would be that we provide access to her classes through verbal, through her strength area. Mm -hmm. So we identify the strength areas and we say, okay, she's struggling in reading. The way to access her is have it read to her for her Mm -hmm. dyslexia. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. She needs to learn to read also. Like Mm -hmm. we need to do that in conjunction, but she can also be in a reading group that's higher content because she can understand that she just needs to access it through ear reading. Mm. And then, um, her, writing is a hiccup for her, especially in reading, writing about her reading. She will say a beautiful answer. And then she's like, well, and she'll put like three words on the page. It's <laughs> very common with kids, um, especially with dyslexia is that what they, their output on the page mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. not what they truly can do. Um, it's just a lot harder sure. for them because then she has to spend a lot of time you know, checking her spelling and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so, what we would do is identify that she has high verbal. So then, in the accommodation section of it, we would provide an area for okay. So her strength area is verbal. So allow her to verbally give responses, and mm-hmm. then also you know provide supports for the writing piece of it, or whatever the profile um, has as strength areas and the um, areas of help. Okay. Um, the other part that we would do to help them succeed is we do provide, um, one thing that I needed back when my, when we were going through the process for my own daughter was we needed somebody sitting next to us in the meetings to be able to explain, to be able to explain my daughter's learning profile Mm -hmm. instead of us having to play parent role and, Uh, you know, trying to advocate for her. So one of the things that we do is we are that person with a family. We can go into the school with you and sit down and uh, listen and help to advocate for the child um, on, hey, what if we did this? Hey, let's try this. Mm -hmm. And that's been, that's proven really helpful for families.
0: Well, one of the resources that you provide or that you can provide is also a short summary of our of the child's um, strengths and maybe learning, what would you call it? A deficit or? Yeah,
1: they're learning um, difference.
0: There. Learning yeah. difference. Thank you. That's what I was trying to come up with. But um, you provide just a brief summary of- yep of the child and so we can take it, for me, I will take that into my child's teachers and I will say, look, this is where my child is at and this is the testing that shows um, why my child is here or that they are there in this learning space. And so if you bump up against some challenges, here's some understanding and background as to why. With my with my child, and I find that extremely helpful um, in the school setting.
1: Yeah, to piggyback off of that, there's um, I saw it at a conference, and um, so if you haven't ever heard of Colorado Kids, um, Colorado Kids is for families that have uh, children with dyslexia, and um, they're, they're an organization that provides different conferences and and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um I had heard at a conference that I went to about this idea of doing like a powerpoint presentation or a video presentation. So along with that teacher summary that we can provide, mm-hmm. having it from, you know, we talk all the time about let's per, let's get our kids to self-advocate, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Sometimes we forget to teach them how. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so true. one of the, <laughs> one of the ways that they recommended at this conference was do a powerpoint presentation and um have your child narrate it or videotape themselves giving the presentation. And so we started doing that um for Abby, uh our daughter with d- dyslexia, and she this year for the first time it was It was awesome. I got an email from her teacher, and just like it was a powerful learning experience for my daughter because she finally had a voice in it and she could explain to people, Hey, I am a violist. I love Legos. I love, and she had all of these different things that she loves to do. And I also happen to have dyslexia. Let me tell you about what that is. And she was able to go in and explain, you know, all the different pieces of what it meant for her what her experience was being dyslexic mm-hmm. and um, a lot of questions that I get. She put that one on there. And uh, so we sent it to her teacher and it, that way Abby didn't have to, you know, figure out what to say in front of her teacher as an advocacy part. It was already recorded. She could do it as many times as she wanted. Mm-hmm. And every year we're going to have her do one of those for, especially when she transitions into middle school um, where she can, We can send it to our teachers and they can just get to know a three minute clip of Abby, who she is as a learner. And then at the end, they encouraged us and it was so powerful. Like it gives me chills and goosebumps right now. Mm. Um, they, she would, they asked us to, or they recommended. And so we did it with Abby. She says, here are people that are part of my team. And so there was a picture of Myself and my husband, there was a picture of teachers from her past that have been super helpful, um, any coaches that help her. And she's like, and then there was, there's like a little box that has a question mark on it. And she was, she would say, she said in the little video, um, will you be part of my team? Oh. And then I was like, Oh my gosh. Yes. And so it ended <laughs> up that my, my daughter, uh, her teacher asked if Abby would share it with the class, if she wouldn't mind. Wow. And Abby was kind of nervous, but I said, you know what? You can just play the video. That's it. Um, you know, people don't know sometimes. And I think the, the, sometimes the questions or the comments that come is because kids don't understand. So we right. have to help them understand. Right. Yes, And so she played it for a class and her teacher emailed me and she called me and she's like, that was a really cool experience. The kids were able to open up and ask questions of you. Do you read letters backwards, Abby? Do you, um, you know, do you see things differently than we do? And she was able to say, no, I see it the same way. My brain just flips it around in my brain, but I see it the same way you do. Mm -hmm. And she was able to ask questions, but it opened up the dialogue. Right. So yes. then the kids were behind her and were part of her team and she didn't face any kind of like, Oh, that's, that's, you know, different or that's why do you do that? That's weird. She's like, my brain will overload sometimes. And here's what I have to do. And I have to go over onto a soft place and I have to, um, you know, take some deep breaths and use a breathing ball and things like that. Cause my brain is overloaded. So that way, when she, when that happened in class, the kids knew, oh, Abby's just resetting. Oh, I can do that too. You know, it just opened that up that it's okay to have
0: differences. So So, it was a pretty powerful experience. Oh, that is so powerful. I love that you shared that. And there are a couple things that I love about that. And one is that the kids gained an understanding for your daughter, which you mentioned. But the other part of that is that I think there are other kids in these classrooms that have their own set of strengths and weaknesses because we all do. And I think it allows the opportunity for those children to feel like they can talk about their strengths and weaknesses as well. And that it will be received and it can be received in a really productive and accepting manner.
1: Yeah. Isn't that, Isn't that what we want in our classrooms? Like that we have differences and that's okay. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what, that's the message that I, that, you know, when I'm sitting across the table with a family, even when it's a hard conversation of something that comes up in testing that they may not have known or that there is a disability or a learning difference, that your brain thinks differently and that's okay. Mm -hmm. That we have differences and that's okay. And I love that idea in our classrooms. I wish that was in every classroom across anywhere, across the world, that we have difference. Wouldn't we solve a lot of problems in our world?
0: Yes. If we as
1: adults and with children, that we, we have differences and that's okay. That we celebrate those differences, that we celebrate when Abby has a win with her reading, but we celebrate another kiddo that may have a behavior difference, you know, and that we don't look at it as they're being obstinate or they're being, you know, fill in the blank with whatever, you know, act or characteristic that we assign to it. But instead we look at it as we are all different and that's okay. That we learn in a different way and that's okay. Like really teaching kids that it's okay to be different. It's okay to not fit in with with the mainstream or have to be a certain way that we celebrate that. And that's, I think, the number one reason why I chose to do what I do is because I get to celebrate with kids and get them to a point where I'm the first person that's introduced that idea to them that you do have this difference because many times they already know that something's different. Mm-hmm. They already know that something, you know, quote unquote, when we say wrong there, I don't see it as wrong. I just see it as a difference, mm-hmm. but they feel like mm-hmm. something is wrong with them. They, they already noticed that giving it a name of, for my daughter dyslexia. I was really afraid. I was afraid to give her that. Mm-hmm. You know, I am transparent about that because I was like, Um, my husband happens to be dyslexic also, but he found out much later in life. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, Oh, you know, is it going to You know, is it going to hinder her throughout her life? Is Mm -hmm. she going to be successful? Is she going to be able to go to college? Is she going to be able to, and all of these things went through my mind. And what I learned was that she just thought differently and it was okay, and that certain things were going to be difficult for her. But because of her dyslexia, it empowered her to be the creative genius that she totally is. Like, she will be able to build 3D models from paper and Amazing. she builds these 3D animals that she creates a zoo from. And you know, <laughs> they'll play with those more than they play with their actual toys that we spent tons of money
0: purchasing. <laughs> <That's> remar- <laughs> that is remarkable. And I, uh, Melissa, just from hearing what you're saying, you're giving me hope. And I know that people that are listening are feeling hope too, because sometimes uh, it, becomes, it becomes easier for us or more prominent for us to focus on the challenges as opposed yeah. to the beauty of what a different mind can create and accomplish. And I love that that's where your focus is. And I also, just as an example, when I brought my son in to meet with you, you immediately said, um, what if, because we had discovered that he was gifted <laughs> mathematically and he's hilarious, but we discovered he is hilarious. I, oh my goodness! <laughs> if I could replicate him and teach a whole, oh goodness, that would be so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, he's fantastic. But what we discovered is he's exceptionally fast at processing numbers and in that mathematic realm. Um, and you just mentioned to him, Hey, what if we could take these skills and tell your teachers, these are your skills and you still have to show your work, but maybe only on one problem. And then you can use your superpower skills, um, to show uh, what you already know. And that blew his mind. And he was actually, for the first time in a couple of years, excited about maybe what he could do in the education system, because he's been so down on school, because the expectations are um, pretty, how would I say, uh, the teachers have a uniform system. And yep. he the expectation was that he conformed to the uniform system because I don't think it in a, for giving teachers a break, I don't think they understood, and neither did I what kind of learner he really was. And yes, and and honestly, through no
1: fault of their own, sometimes we go through for whatever reason, we, you know, like all of us have a certain way that we teach or a certain preference because everybody has their own learning preference. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in teaching that we forget sometimes that, you know, these kiddos coming in, we have such a variety of learning styles and it's, Mm -hmm. it can get exhausting to -hmm. try and, you know, make it different for every child sitting in front of us. But how amazing it is, when we start to allow their gifts and talents to come through Mm -hmm. and be like, all right, you know, I'm going to, it's kind of switching from, you know, when I first started teaching, it was about me pouring out knowledge to them and with the advancement of technology, they can get the answers. That's Mm -hmm. not the thing. Now we have Mm -hmm. to become um, coaches side by side with them Mm -hmm. to be able to kind of guide them Mm -hmm. in the, and nudge them in the right direction. Instead of the teacher being the, the, person with all of the knowledge, giving it out to the kiddos. Mm -hmm. It's more of, let me, let me come beside you, coach you, be beside you, be a facilitator of that. But, but honoring all of the differences and all of the learning styles. I think that's one of the things that I've learned the most over the years of teaching is, and that transition for me, because when you start doing that, all of a sudden, it's not about trying to get them to learn all of a sudden when you're honoring those things about them they they're running faster sometimes than you can keep up with <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is true okay so if i'm listening to this podcast i'm thinking this is great that melissa has this business but i don't have anyone near me that can yeah. provide these services so how if if i live outside the state of colorado how do I tap into your services?
1: Uh, There's a couple of different ways. So for right now with uh, the changes with COVID and everything like that, that's happened, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, we can actually do remote testing and we can, uh, there's certain tests that have to be done in person because it's on paper and pencil. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we need to do those in person, but a family you know, if we don't need, for instance, one of them is processing, we don't need the processing speed. If that's not a concern, then we can do all of the other testing to find out if they're um, a visual spatial learner or a verbal learner or a fluid reasoning learner, all of those things we can figure out. We just can't um, test for, let's say, uh, processing speed, because that would be how quickly and efficiently they're going through things. We can figure it out in different ways, but we can't get uh, that type of composite. If they were able to come out one time, then we can Mm -hmm. finish out the testing in person. Mm -hmm. Um, But we do, like during uh, all of COVID, we do uh, consultations online. We Mm -hmm. do, um, we have attended school meetings through Zoom. So I can always be, you know, another ear in the room and giving, Mm -hmm. uh, we can always do coaching sessions across state lines. You know, we can do all of those things. We can do most academic testing. We can do uh, via remotely. And so those, those would be the things that I would say, if you live outside of Colorado Mm -hmm. and also if you do live outside of Colorado, sometimes I will know of somebody, you know, maybe not over in Mm -hmm. Wisconsin or something, but Mm -hmm. I know somebody that might know somebody that knows somebody. So the network ends up being pretty small. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes. And the network is so important. And a lot of us are just looking for who our resource that will give us more resources. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so that is really good to know. And I also want people to know that I will share Navigating Education's information on um, my site, uh, which is Navigating the Spectrum, kind of similar by so- just by coincidence. <laughs>
1: It was so awesome when we found out, I I was like, yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Great minds think alike, or your mind thinks well, and I just try to follow you around. (laughs) Great minds think alike. (laughs) So if there was anything that you could impart or share with parents, what would that, we we need your wisdom, Melissa. What would you share with parents? What would you like them to know? Um...
1: (laughs) The number one thing, and it's going to make me emotional because I had to, um, teach myself this and I have lived it as a mom. And so I know that for, I know that journey very well. Mm -hmm. And the number one thing that I would tell parents is you and your child are not broken. Mm -hmm. That would be the number one thing, because I was afraid for my daughter's future. I was mm-hmm. concerned that all of the opportunities would be taken because of this learning difference, mm-hmm. because of, you know, the, that she would battle with self-confidence, that she would, because I saw for my husband what happened um, down the line of learning it later. It's not, it's never too late though. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: But emotionally, I would say you, your child is not broken. They learn differently, and that's okay. That you know that there's something going on, but you may not know the name of it, but there are resources and there are pathways. You just don't know where the pathway is yet. And that's what we help provide is a pathway to lead you and guide you down. Like, okay, I've been down this road a little bit further, so let me guide you down this path. And then I'm going to hand you off to, let's say, a tutor or a therapist, or whatever resources you need, I'm going to lead you to that point. And then I'm going to make sure that you're connected with somebody that will definitely take care of you, just like we took care of you to this point. And then I hand you off to a therapist, a tutor, whoever that might be that your child needs. But then it comes back to your child's not broken. You know, sometimes, and that's, I think, why I had to move out of the system, because Unfortunately, big systems, well intentioned as we are, sometimes send the message that if you don't fit a certain mold or you don't fit a certain norm, mm-hmm. then something is wrong with you. It's not an intentional thing, but it's sometimes right. what happens. And the message that's because there's not people to say, hey, that's not true. Hey, that's not at all, you know that Mm -hmm. they're not broken. They just have a learning difference. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I wanted to do what I do is to to share that information with other families Mm -hmm. that you and your child are not broken. They Mm -hmm. learn differently and that's okay.
0: I love that message. I love your passion. I love the joy that you feel in what you're doing. Um, It is, we can sense it just from how you talk about what you're doing. You're clearly in the right place doing the right things and as parents we appreciate that people are out there like you that are willing to commit their time and their livelihood to helping our children so thank you so much Melissa, for being with us today we really appreciate you yeah thank you thank you for taking the time to listen to navigating the spectrum um, I wanted to share that information about Melissa Durchey, and she is fabulous in every way. And her um, a contact, a form of contact would be www.navigatingeducation.com. And I encourage you to reach out if you um, need a little extra help with your child in their education process and this journey that they're on. Um, Thanks again for listening. Hope you have a great week.